You're listening to the Airline Briefing, the industry affairs podcast from IATA, keeping you up to date with the most vital issues facing aviation today. Hello, and welcome to another industry affairs podcast from IATA. We have a bumper episode this week because we're looking at one of the most important challenges facing the industry, which is how do we successfully work with governments to restart the industry smoothly? I'm Chris Gota from IATA's comms team, and as always, I'm joined by Sebastian Mikos, our Senior Vice President for Member and External Relations. Hello, Chris. Hello, everybody. Splendid. And um, what I want to start with, Sebastian, um, is to ask you to give us some context for the current situation um, you know, that we've seen over the last month or so. Um, and and what governments have been doing and how we're going to be trying to talk with them to to return to some kind of status of, of getting travel moving again. So what, what, what's your take on the current situation? You know, Chris, it's all about restart since since almost a year now. So so restart is the key word in in IATA and, and in the in the industry, because uh, effectively the COVID situation has uh, has stopped airline from doing their normal uh, normal business. And as IATA, we have been focusing on restarting the industry. So all of us collectively on doing everything to allow the international traffic to 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 be back. So that's uh, that's number one. Number two is that since um, since the vaccine has been announced, we have a situation in which um, we actually see more closures because of the uh, different uh, uh, variants of the virus than than opening. So actually, everybody's waiting for the vaccine. But in the meantime, there is more and more uh, uh, countries which are which are closed. And last point is that it's uh, the context is that it's very easy. Uh, I mean, might sound like this, but it's really easy to close to shut down the market. You can do it very effectively and very quickly. This is what we saw. Uh, in March 2020, when within days, literally days, markets were completely closed. However, reopening a market and reverse this decision, particularly in the sanitary context, is extremely challenging because it not only involves just the sanitary decisions, but it involves a lot of simply economic transport decisions. How do you reopen to which markets, which airlines can be able to start flying? How do they sell the tickets forward? Uh, How do they book their fleet? Their crews, etc. So having a roadmap for reopening is is an essential part of restart. And as IATA, we, we adjusted our advocacy and we keep um, giving the signal to governments that we we would like to have uh, roadmaps to restart. And we are here as IATA to help them designing this and to help giving all the economic and operational arguments to have those roadmaps that will allow uh, to see when can we effectively. Uh, being able to restore international traffic. Right. So that's exactly the point. I think is you've, you've nailed it there with the point about roadmap and restart. And, and that's why I'd like to bring in uh, one of our other guests today. Uh, and uh, that that's someone who can really talk to what we've just seen in the UK market. And that's our um, area manager for UK and Ireland, Simon McNamara. Simon, uh, good day to you. How are you? Hi, Chris. Yeah, very good. Thank you. Excellent. Thanks for joining us today. And um, the reason we've got you on is because we saw some really interesting developments in the UK market this week. So just to start with, could you sum up what the news was on Monday and, and what, what the government really announced? 
Yep, certainly, Chris. I mean, I guess just listening to Sebastian there talking about context, that's important for the UK as well. So we were in a situation where the UK just two weeks ago introduced managed hotel quarantine, a triple arrival test scheme, and it was very much closed. So the announcement yesterday was made by the UK Prime Minister um, and he announced a wider restart plan for the UK economy because we are in complete lockdown here in the UK with almost everything shut. Uh, international travel is illegal. What he said yesterday was that uh, he recognised international travel and restarting international travel was a priority um, for the economy. Um, and he announced exactly the sort of roadmap that we're asking for. Um, they put in place a process whereby by the 12th of April, uh, he has asked for a working plan uh, to be presented to him as to how the industry could restart and to use his words to allow people to plan for the summer and to resume international travel. Now, um, there's an awful lot of work to be done still um, and under the roadmap that he announced in the UK for not just uh, travel, but for everything else like getting your hair cut, um, we're not going to see international travel really resuming any earlier than the 17th of May. But, and I think this is really key, the step here is the recognition, that, that political recognition of the importance of international travel and getting it restarted and getting back from, from what Sebastian described, which is it's easier to throw the shutters down, much harder to pull them up. And we now have a plan, we have a timescale, and now we're going to work on exactly how that's going to happen. Okay, so I mean, that's great. That's obviously a positive step, particularly from where we were a week or two ago when um, really there didn't seem to be much good news emanating from the UK government in terms of the mood music about, about making travel part of that restart plan. And the fact that they did go as far as they did in the statement on Monday was very uh, significant, I think. And what we're exploring in our podcast today is really what, what the industry needed to do to, to, to make that case to government. So, you know, in your assessment, um, what was it that the industry did? What role did we play in bringing the government to the table on this? I think I think there's a there's a few sort of key learnings that that we've had. I mean, we've been toiling away at this for a year. I mean, I've done advocacy for quite a few years. I've never spent one solid year on one subject, so it's been quite an interesting experience. But one of the first key things was building trust with government, and we absolutely have done that. Um, we meet with them every week. You know, uh, very much first name terms. There's no formality. Um, even with, you know, up to ministerial level. Um, so uh, knowing that uh, we had a situation at the start of this year where the UK was closing down, um, it was futile for us to ask for for a reopening to happen because it was out of step with, with the uh, situation in the country, right. the load on the yep. hospitals. Um, so, so what we did is we went, went away as industry and said, we'd like to develop a roadmap with you. And we sat down and we developed that. Um, and we wrote it. Um, we wrote an outline bare bones roadmap and we presented it to them and said, what do you think of this? Uh, can you work with on this? Are you willing to to develop a uh, roadmap with us? And they said yes. Um, and that's that was one of the key first steps that we had. Um, I think there was a few key lessons, I think, in terms of what we did, uh, not just IATA, but the industry in the UK to get to that point. One was working really closely with the local stakeholders to build a common message. You know, we have uh, some fantastic partners over here in, in the shape of the local airline trade body, Airlines UK, uh, the local board of airline representatives. And we work literally, you know, I talk to those guys every single day, probably for half an hour every day. And we, we, we work together hand in hand with it. Um, secondly, applying pressure, you know, by lots of different means. 
So we've engaged extensively with local members of parliament to apply pressure to government. We worked alongside other um, uh, influential bodies. I'll give you one example. The former UK Prime Minister Tony Blair has a has an institute called the Tony Blair Institute. We work closely with him to apply pressure even more. Um, using the media was key as well, Chris, and you know this from the stuff that we've done together. You know, we, we've had some really good opportunities in print media and on on television media that um, that, that 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 we've taken advantage of. Uh, you know, and our senior vice presidents have appeared on 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 primetime TV talking about the roadmap. Um, and I think the final point, Chris, is is that we 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 focused it around a single event, which was yesterday's announcement by the prime minister. Uh, we knew he was going to announce a roadmap, so we had a really simple message, which was recognise international travel in that roadmap, and that was what we all said consistently building up um, over the past few weeks. Just recognise us, um, mm. and you know, there's 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 plenty of work to go, um, but we got that recognition and we got a timescale, so a really positive step. There's going to be some nasty surprises, but a really positive step to see the advocacy, the joint advocacy worked. Yeah, yeah. Sebastian, would you would you agree with that assessment? I mean, a, a positive step forward. Clearly, we we would have loved them to have gone further, but given where we were, uh, do you think that that that's been a positive step? And what lessons can we take from the UK approach into some of our advocacy elsewhere in the world? Oh, you know, Chris, I'm taking only positive lessons. Number one is that it is possible to have a roadmap that is a roadmap. Uh, so, uh, you know, we, we've I've been going through this document. It's quite a significant uh, effort, uh, 68 pages addressing uh, uh, different uh, different areas of, of life with very specific uh, timelines, but also uh, indicating flexibility. So it means that uh, that that roadmap can be built. That's that's number one. Number two, what Simon just des described is that it's it's worth pushing. It's worth being consistent. It's worth uh, just making the maximum efforts to to get this type of document. And uh, I would love to have a type of document like this uh, for for each market and 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 maybe at the beginning for at least those markets who have shut down uh, uh, since since the longest and and see how they can uh, they can uh, they can reopen so uh, you know we are doing this podcast I, I believe also because this is the really first time we have a roadmap which is uh, which is something we would like to achieve and we would like our members to to use it because this roadmap is of course for for UK citizens but it's not only for for UK I mean the whole uh, uh, international aviation industry will have a, a look at page 41 when when you have uh, the description of of uh, international traffic uh, reopening and uh, everybody will uh, you know UK is a major market on on the on the map of international traffic uh, so everybody will have a look and says okay this is um, uh, this is when I will be able to plan coming back these are the conditions so it's very uh, very specific and number two is that we can go to other governments and try to say look uh, maybe we could work on 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 a similar scheme on a on a similar set of informations that will allow our airlines to uh, to plan and then to 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 what the document is recognized help you rebuilding the GDP and and supporting the bouncing back of economy after the shutdown. So I'm I'm extremely enthusiastic about you know having this 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 document on my screen. And so on on that very note. Um, I'm going to bring in our, our third guest today, um, Raphael Schwarzman, who is our regional vice president for Europe. And uh, Raphael uh, 
obviously is 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 got the overview of the whole European market, and and UK is is a very important market, as Sebastian's just said. But clearly, we're really hoping that the whole of Europe can can reopen soon, and and he's been leading a lot of the the work in that region. So, um, so firstly, Simon, thank you so much for your insight today, and uh, we really appreciate you joining us, and uh, welcome. That's great, thank you, and a big welcome to Raphael. Raphael, hi, how are you doing today? Oh, thanks, Chris, and uh, and and good to good to be here. Thank you. So, um, again, I, I'd just like to ask you for the context in Europe right now with regard to um, some of the work that you know we've been doing um, around perhaps vaccine certificates and testing and so on. Can you give us a snapshot of what Europe's looking like at the moment in terms of the policy priorities? Yes, uh, thanks, Chris, and 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 obviously, I mean, all of all of what we have been uh, discussing just now, uh, based on hopefully uh, supporting and helping uh, opening up markets for 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 the benefit of the economies and obviously for for our members as well. Um, we we have seen the the continued continuing of lockdown around Europe due to the obviously increased levels of infections and, and the decision making obviously has been to protect uh, immediately the population. And that also obviously with uh, has also has an impact in terms of um, successfully restarting the industry. So we have been focusing our efforts on on one side, um, you know, the vaccination certificates uh, to allow freedom of movement. And this is not just obviously uh, related to air travel, but but in general, right? So I think that is uh, a very important element uh, that we need to take into consideration. Then, oh, also another another um, uh, important factor you you did mention it, you touched on it. It is the the need to have uh, let's say an approved testing testing method. I mean, and and this is in addition to actual uh, the PCR test. And it's very good news actually that um, the European Union has actually agree on a common list of also uh, rapid antigen tests that are eligible or, or validated as, uh, as, as good ones for the, for the European Union. On top of that, they have agreed on a set of, of, of data sets that need to be taken into account to be able to um, do the certification. And I'm saying that because for any solution that we are envisioning, um, the, the discussions are, are obviously based on the use of digital technology as well to be able to do it, right? Because these are, these are all these things are um, increasing the complexity, if you would, of travel. And the way to simplify it is the use of, of digital technology. And mm. this is very important as well if we are to restart this industry in a region, especially Europe and particularly uh, some of the countries in Europe like, like Greece or Spain, which are actually heavy dependent on tourism as well. And it was mentioned earlier uh, in relation to be able to restart to some degree uh, for, for the summer season. So do you, are you seeing those countries, you mentioned that Greece, I think they're perhaps one of the most concerned about opening up for the summer. What sort of uh, engagement have we had in Greece? Um, uh, are, they, are they kind of leading any initiatives that we're supporting within Europe? Well, definitely, I would say from the beginning of, uh, of the crisis, uh, they have been very sensitive towards uh, the, the, the main uh, driver of its economy, which is tourism, and they've been very open to discussions. Uh, we, uh, we have been engaging with the, with the Greek governments, and they 
being very supportive to the industry. They also took take they have taken the initiative to uh, uh, push forward this uh, common vaccine certificate in in the European region. Uh, there was a letter written to von der Leyen in this re in and obviously in her response. Um, I mean, she also highlights the need for a digital solution to to be included in this uh, certification, uh, which is needed and that is crucial to to be able to open up borders. We are also um, we have also written uh, working together, as uh, was also mentioned by Simon earlier, with our stakeholders. In this case, uh, the tourism ministries, uh, the European Travel Commission, as well. We have written and spoken to all of them to um, help to support uh, uh, the the roadmap uh, idea that has been already repeated in our uh, discussions today. Mm. So and and also the engagements uh, with all governments in terms of the utilization of of one of the solutions uh, for the digital um, standpoint, which is the IATA Travel Pass, which uh, it, it's a win-win uh, situation in terms of reopening borders and facilitating this uh, seamless and contactless travel experience. And so you mentioned there the digital travel pass, and you also mentioned how you know the Greeks have an approach that they're working on in Europe. We've heard about the UK. Obviously, there are other developments happening elsewhere in the world. Sebastian, you know, in terms of the, the role that IATA can play, um, helping harmonization of those digital uh, vaccine certificates, testing certificates, and so on. What role can we play? And and do do you know? Is it a job for ICAO? Where do you see IATA in that position? And and are we making progress? So, uh, IATA first of all have to very strongly uh, uh, push and 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 voice the the fact that we need standardization because when you have a roadmap like the one we have. It's okay for one country, but if you want to be able to safely reopen travel, which we're mentioning already uh, in, in other discussions, you need to have a, 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 the maximum number uh, of countries adhering to one standard, which will allow the international traffic to be reopened. The thing that Rafael mentioned, what, what we have been doing makes sense if you have a digitized common standard that will recognize uh, vaccinations and testing, which most likely in 90% plus uh, of the countries will be required in order to, to enter it. So, of course, ICAO is our privileged uh, um, uh, institution, is the, is, is the uh, um, civil aviation organization with which we, you know, which is running the, the, the basically the standard, which is the Chicago Convention and, and the annexes. So it's the natural place to set the standard. And of course, set the standard, which is recommended that countries are free to adopt it or, or not. But in that situation, we need at least one other partner, which is WHO, because WHO in that situation will indicate what is the minimum uh, sanitary requirement. Again, you know, WHO uh, is, is very seriously looked at by many governments. So ICAO would be the one setting the standard for travel together with uh, with WHO. And there is a group that is working on that. We, we've been mentioning this already called CART. There are initiatives, though, we, in which we, we, we participate, which are also involving WHO and ICAO. And that's uh, one of the initiatives is currently managed by OECD. Um, and of course, th this is uh, this is, I would say, the second step or a parallel step to our 
um, uh, roadmaps to, to reopen the traffic because now in parallel, we need to be sure that all the systems, all the health applications like the um, IATA travel pass that we mentioned uh, uh, some time ago uh, are interoperable and we can have one standard that everybody will be following and, and then whatever airlines or countries decide to impose as uh, uh, restrictions or requests to enter after the, the the restart can be met by by airlines. So it's it's a fundamental job for us uh, again to do in parallel to to having this type of uh, roadmaps uh, um, submitted uh, by, by countries to to the whole world so we can respect and start start flying back again. Yeah, I mean, just listening to to both of you talking about that. I mean, it's almost an alphabet soup of. Of different organisations and, and different approaches, which is which is the way of the world, I guess. But it, I hope the listeners are understanding now the huge challenge that that we face, uh, you know, as an industry in in terms of restart, because clearly uh, there are a whole huge number of moving parts within individual countries, within regions, and globally mm -hmm. to to align. I think I'll, I'll I'm going to leave with with a question to you both. Uh, firstly, what are you optimistic about? And what are you most worried about for the next sort of three to six months, this period up to the hopefully the northern season restart? Um, I'll, I'll start with you, Raphael. What, 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 what are you optimistic about? And what are you worried about? I am um, I'm very optimistic, actually, in um, this is on one side, a very resilient industry. Um, I think the learnings of the last year um, have been um, you know, difficult, but at the same time, I can see that there, the discussions are are happening in a, a based on these experiences. So I um, I also think that that we have seen uh, why my positive is because I think we realize now that we are much more interdependent. Meaning, when we talk only about aviation, it doesn't mean this is only about aviation because um, you know, for example, countries like Spain, over 12 uh, percent of their GDP depends on tourism. So, so that's, uh, uh, that's a major component to actually uh, bring back the economies of Europe, uh, bring building it better. Um, I think uh, I'm, I'm optimistic because the discussions we're having, like the example of the UK, are, um, are very good examples. And we're hoping to see other countries uh, leading as well in terms of the initiative to create this roadmap. What continues to worry me, obviously, is on one side, we still see, I would say, um, uh, a slow, I guess, vaccine rollout, which means that, you know, that that is also uh, an important element uh, to this. Not the only one, as I said. I mean, we have to con we, we will have to be living with uh, vaccine and, and testing uh, as well. So and then 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 restrictions uh, based on quarantine. I think that's something obviously that uh, uh, doesn't doesn't help in the process of restarting. Uh, yeah. So reestablishing connectivity uh, and in a, in, a, in in a degree that can actually uh, take advantage of some of the summer uh, season is very important for Europe. Not again only for the airlines, as as I said before. Um, lots of industries depend on this. Uh, and, and these are more or less the, the, the major things that are, um, I guess, worrying me. Okay. Yeah, that's a, that's a long list. <laughs> okay, Sebastian, <laughs> a final word to you. Uh, again, uh, something that's your, your, things you're positive about, but also things you're worried about. What, what, what's top of your mind? 
you know, what's top on my mind is that it's reaching an international agreement and reaching consensus is actually one of the most difficult things uh, that we can imagine because of the variety of continents, countries, cultures. This is why we have created international institutions to to discuss it. And normally it takes years. So in that respect, um, reaching a, a restart uh, set of uh, uh, of measures and uh, uh, agreeing on how and when do we restart uh, makes me feel uh, good that we go forward because I we, we see the result and and to some extent if I may allow myself a comparison to the vaccine you know the vaccine was normally take was to to design one and produce one was and approve one was taking on average eight years we did it in two so here we need to find extraordinary means to to reopen the industry not in the normal consensus way of uh, of operating because it will take us another five years. Uh, we really need to, to 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 think in 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 weeks rather than in years. What worries me though, uh, Chris, is that you know the roadmaps are here. There is a lot of declarations and statements, but it has to be maintained. So we cannot have a um, a bouncing back uh, effect where you you know we have a roadmap and then we would not uh, we would have governments changing their mind or saying that maybe they will do one maybe they will not do one and then change their mind what what was the biggest um negative impact on in all this crisis is the, is the constantly changing environment and airlines unfortunately and the business we're in is all about pre- planning the future and 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 keeping it like 6 12 months for for networks uh, uh, you know this the the the, the slots and all this this cost that we need to put in place to uh, uh, to to restart. So this is what what really uh, worries me. It's that we will not seize the opportunity to to really uh, seriously look at uh, at the, the the few steps we need to to start returning to what I still like to call uh, normality, which is the, the freedom of traveling. Yes, and and I think um, what we've seen from the announcement in the UK yesterday that, that that desire to return to normality is a stat that just sums that up. One of the major uh, flight booking um, websites saw an increase of 69% uh, immediately the, the moment the uh, the announcement was made in the UK of people looking to book holidays uh, in, in Europe. So the demand is most certainly there. Um, so um, let us hope that we can negotiate our way through this minefield of of um, different regions and countries. And uh, thank you both very much for your time today. You've been listening to The Airline Briefing, the industry affairs podcast from IATA. For more information and the latest news on all the most crucial issues facing aviation today, go to IATA.org or follow IATA on social media.